0: and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Spectre. Today, we'll be taking a look at Marxism-Leninism and closely examining its philosophical underpinning, dialectical materialism. First of all, what is a Marxist-Leninist? A Marxist-Leninist puts Marxist theory into Leninist action. They do not separate themselves from the class struggle. They are themselves workers within the struggle itself. Marxist-Leninists acknowledge that they cannot mobilise without first educating and organising themselves and the working masses on the founding principles of Marxism and using that education as the foundations for mobilisation. It's through Marxism-Leninism, also known as scientific socialism, that real material change to the conditions of the working masses who are exploited and super-exploited by capitalism can be made. This class war of ours isn't just something to be idly studied, it's something we must fight and win. But how can we hope to change the world without understanding it correctly? Simple, through the use of dialectical materialism, a powerful analytic tool and the core philosophical foundation of Marxism-Leninism. The fundamental thought of materialism is recognising the external world, the existence of things outside and independent of our minds. Dialectics is the very study of contradictions within the essence of things. Simply explained, in order for water, a material object, to evaporate and change into a gas, a change in quality, the amount of heat applied to the liquid must be increased, a change in quantity. The contradiction of too much heat applied to the limits of the liquid is then resolved in a new form. These are the simply put laws of dialectics. From this contradiction, a new one emerges. Quantitative changes lead to qualitative changes. Nothing stays the same forever. These laws govern the natural world and also our society. Dialectical materialism is therefore the way of analysing problems in society, identifying solutions and affecting change to create a much better world. Karl Marx did just this applying dialectical materialism to understand how capitalism worked and how he could evolve beyond it. Capitalism, as he recognised it, was a system which has revolved around the production of commodities for sale. When a manufacturer produces a bag of paprika, they're not interested in what the paprika is used for after it's sold, its use value, example, to season food. They care about its value on the market, its exchange value, what it's worth, compared to other commodities. Capitalism shows its unique gratuitous stance to other systems which came before because it's dominated not by production for use but production for exchange, thus leading to a variety of chaos and mass waste within our society where resources aren't distributed according to need but by according to what would be most profitable. Another example which showcases the constantly changing exchange value of a commodity is the following. If there is a high quantity of oregano on the market, but not much paprika, then one bag of paprika might become worth two or three bags of oregano. Values change based on supply and demand, but one of the mysteries of liberal economics was the question of why supply and demand wasn't the definitive end of a commodity's value. If value was only governed by supply and demand, then during a mass food shortage a loaf of bread would soar above the price of a small tank. Any commodity can be exchanged for any other commodity, which means all commodities must contain hidden within them a unit of value that they share. That secret and hidden unit is labour. All useful commodities become more valuable depending on the average amount of labour power that is crystallised into them in order to create them and unskilled labour, without the added equations of training, education, experience, etc, is the most simple unit. The following key examples give us a glimpse into capitalism in action. 1. There are two workers, one is a salt maker and wants paper, the other is a paper maker and wants salt. The two commodities are of equal exchange values, so they can trade them directly and since they only have exchanged the value of their own labour power, neither is any richer once the trade is complete. 2. The trade becomes more complicated when the salt maker wants something with a much higher exchange value, like a gold watch. A watch is worth an extremely large amount of salt, but the watchmaker probably doesn't want that much salt in exchange, so instead they use money. The salt maker sells all his salt. a small business owner and uses the money to buy the watch. But again, despite the introduction of money, none of them have become any richer. Again, the two workers have only swapped the value of their own labour power. As for the small business owner, they could make money but that depends on their skill as a trader, on supply and demand and on the luck of the market. And when the market is unpredictable, they still might lose. All that changes when labour itself becomes a commodity, and the workers are therefore forced to sell their labour power to an employer for wages. 3. Under the capitalist system, the capitalists use private property to extract wealth from workers. One buys a factory and has workers create commodities in it for a wage. Another becomes a landlord, buying a house and letting workers sleep in it for rent. The worker can't afford their own factory or house, so the system forces them to instead rely on the capitalists. First, they commute to the factory. They work a 9 hour day and produce one commodity every 3 hours, worth £12 each. When the day is done, the capitalist takes the commodities produced by the worker's labour and gives them a wage instead, which is worth less than the commodities that they've produced. The capitalist wants this wage to stay as low as possible in order to maximise profit, just enough for the worker to scrape by and to return to work the following day. In the process of this day-to-day exploitation, the worker gives £10 to the landlord for rent and spends the other 10 on food and life necessities. Meanwhile, the capitalist slithers to the market and sells the products of the worker's labour for a profit That profit and all profits are stolen labour power, the workers' surplus value. These examples highlight to us that capitalism is a continuous class struggle between two main classes, the bourgeoisie, who make money solely through property ownership and the bare-faced theft from workers, and the proletariat, who sell their labour power to the capitalists for a wage. There are other classes too, such as the petty bourgeoisie, the small property owner, who, come the revolution, may side with the workers or with the capitalists. The proletariat and the bourgeoisie can never coexist in harmony. Their interests are polar opposite. Capitalist interests are against the interests of humanity. The only ones who can resolve this contradiction are the working class, because it is in our interest to reclaim our surplus value and put it towards the bettering and advancing of our society ridding ourselves of the parasitic classes, living off our labour. The working class has the power to elevate ourselves to a higher societal standard because we can dictate production. We can go on strike, shut down society and have far greater numbers than the capitalists. But strikes, no matter the scale, don't resolve the critical underlying class conflict. To tackle this, the proletariat must seize the means of production in order to organise the economy around human need, a form of society known effectively as socialism. And in doing so, it is vital that we must seize state power and smash the old state machine. The most politically developed members of the working class recognise that we need to organise our class in order to seize state power through revolution, and thus will form an organisation dedicated to such a task. The party recognised here in Britain and founded through the political tidal wave of the Russian Revolution is the Communist Party of Britain. The youth wing, or comsumal, of this party is the Young Communist League of Britain. The Communist Party is internationalist and recognises that capitalism is a global system of exploitation and that the interests of the proletariat in one country are connected to those in others. For this reason, the Communist Party of Britain has relationships with communist parties around the globe. The Communist Party of Britain works regularly with these parties and meets with them at an annual international meeting of communist and workers' parties. The Young Communist League, also part of a similar international organisation called the World Federation of Democratic Youth, conducts similar work and action. To effectively organise, the party and league must be democratic, able to resolve internal contradictions, able to mobilise the skills and knowledge of its cadres and be able to reach the most advanced position or line possible. Upon reaching this line, it's the constitutional duty of every member to follow it, understanding that it's their responsibility to work to change any incorrect lines at the appropriate moments. Both incorrect and correct lines are the responsibility of the party as a whole and this fundamental organisational principle is known as democratic centralism, a key staple of Marxist-Leninist organising. To develop, the party and league must dedicate itself to Marxist education so its members can learn how to effectively apply Marxism-Leninism to resolve all kinds of contradictions in society, and then uniting the masses. Building the party is by no means an easy task. It is, though, the only way to lead a successful socialist revolution and to seize state power, completely destroying the machinery that has maintained and served the bourgeois, and replacing it and transforming the state into a proletarian one, replacing the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, the ruling class, with the dictatorship of the proletariat, the workers. Under socialism, distribution will be organised on the principle of, from each according to their ability and to each according to the work. After a long process, spanning years, and when class differences are eliminated, the state will no longer be needed to maintain the dictatorship of the proletariat the process of resource distribution will be reduced to administrative functions and the state will wither away. We will then live in a communist society without money, class or the state, where resource distribution is organised on the highest principle of, from each according to their ability, to each according to their need. Marxism-Leninism is a living, breathing ideology, a science which Through dialectical materialism at its foundations can be used to find revolutionary solutions to all kinds of problems as we build towards a revolution. In this episode we've covered the basics of Marxism Leninism but there's still so much to learn. Marxist Leninist theory can often be scary to first-time readers but there are books for beginners, simple short but essential texts that are easy to understand. A few recommendations and a few essentials that we believe he'd spectre are the following. The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. The Three Sources and Component Parts of Marxism by Vladimir Lenin. Socialism, Utopian and Scientific by Frederick Engels. Anarchism or Socialism by Joseph Stalin. Reform or Revolution by Rosa Luxemburg. The State and Revolution by Vladimir Lenin. Foundations of Leninism, Joseph Stalin. There are a number of ways in which to consume theory, and so it is vital that you find the right method for you. Online educational sessions and in-person educational sessions ran by the Young Communist League of Britain and the Communist Party of Britain are vital in learning how Marxist-Leninists think, how they organise and how they execute tasks. In the description below, I'll leave the link to the Young Communist League of Britain's Back to Basics. The Back to Basics form is a simple series on Marxist concepts made easy to digest. I'll also leave in the description several links to online easy access and free PDF files for key Marxist-Leninist theory. Once again, thank you for listening to another episode of Spectre. Hope this basic and simple introduction. The Marxism-Leninism has been useful. And as always, please share Spectre amongst your comrades. Share us on social media and in any platform that you use online. And of course, feel free to give us a rating online, on Spotify and on any other platform that you're listening in on. Remember comrades, without revolutionary theory, there can be no revolutionary movement.